guys, welcome to today's episode of the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that we hope will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton, and we are going to be studying today in 2 Corinthians 1-7, through so we're moving into the 2 Corinthians. It's actually the 4th epistle to the Corinthians, at least the fourth epistle to the Corinthians, but we'll get more into that in a minute. Um, So one of the the questions that we wanted to answer this week um, comes from Instagram, right? Yeah. So we had someone ask this question after listening to our bonus episode that we um, most recently released on our study tips, our kind of our study discussion. And their question was, okay, we, we loved all this, but I'm wondering how can I help a squirrely four-year-old that I have that I really want to be able to teach the scriptures to? And we get this question a lot. It's, I think it's why there's so many resources and Instagram pages popping up specifically geared to small children because everyone is hoping and looking for, for resources. And um, I think what we have to offer here or the insights that I want to share today are, um, first off, I think expectations are everything. They are four year old, four years old. Um, I think you can expect them to be squirrely and know that that's okay mm-hmm. or squirrely or whatever you want to want to call that word. Mm-hmm. However your child is, or maybe not as attentive or, um, disrupting, whatever. Um, remember that they're small and remember that even if they're learning little bits at a time, that's probably all they can take anyway. But um, as I was reciting our intro where we said, um, now I can't say it because I'm not saying it from the beginning. Fresh and faithful perspective of scriptures. That we hope will renew your personal study. So we hope that by studying, and I firmly believe this, and I think we both do, that um, when you get a good study, when you understand what the scriptures are teaching, when you have the simple truths, like we talked about last week, of what the gospel is and why you are teaching it, um, your teaching can become very natural. And that's honestly where this whole podcast started, mm-hmm. um, was just that desire for people to just know that they can find power in the scriptures and that the teaching will come. You know, it makes me think, I have an image in my head of like feeding a a toddler in a high chair mm-hmm. and um if your kids are like our kids you know they they don't like the crummy stuff in the jar they want the stuff from your plate and so if you're eating dinner and you're trying to feed them a jar full of food they don't want the jar they want what you're eating because they see you eat your food and it looks good and they see you you enjoy it and so they want what you eat and of course the wise parent tries to make their food look good and takes a bite of theirs and gives it to them and and for younger kids that works but Uh, as you're talking about our own personal study and having that first before we can help someone else, it just made me think, well, it kind of makes sense because if I'm going to feed a child any kind of food, they're not going to eat it if I haven't eaten it first. If I am not in love with the food, you know, if I hate broccoli and I tell my kids they got to eat broccoli, even though I'm not eating broccoli, they're not going to eat their broccoli. And sometimes I think we treat our kids like that, like you need to be doing this every single day. But then we look at ourselves and say, yeah, but I'm not doing it every single day. So. Yeah. Um, we get tagged a lot in, you know, Facebook 
forums about come follow me or things and so occasionally I'll look in some of those groups and I know that a lot of people are asking this question like I don't even know how to do come follow me I'm struggling in my family and I don't know how to teach these ages and I you know I I couldn't help but respond to a couple in the last couple weeks and just say like don't forget the power of making it very simple we and just even just reading a few verses sometimes I will I think I've said this before on here, but sometimes I will let my kids just listen to the audio of the scriptures and for sure they aren't paying attention the whole time because half the time I'm doing it during breakfast. But I just think like the background noise of it, it brings up conversations. Sometimes they'll ask questions. And so I think we can't underestimate um, the power of just reading the scriptures, even if it's a verse or two. Um, And memorizing, you know, keeping, even having, reciting the same scripture over and over again. In fact, if we were to summarize our points, uh, if you know, we talked about this, of what would we say to someone who's struggling with their kids? And our three points would just be that. Number one, read the scriptures. Number two, make it spe- or be specific. And number three, keep it simple. So you're talking about read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we try and do everything else, but just reading the scriptures to our kids. Um, and so just read to them. Even if it's just a verse, read to them the scriptures. And then what we found that's really effective with our kids is if you can make the scriptures specific or relevant to them. So instead of reading so that we understand what Paul is saying, no four-year-old, and honestly, not a lot of 40-year-olds really care what Paul is saying. We care about our lives. Um, you know your kids, and so you know what's going on inside a four-year-old mind and life and what's important to them. So make the scriptures specific to them. If Paul's teaching about X, Y, or Z, um, you want to help them see that what Paul is teaching actually makes a difference in their life, that it helps them to have you know more fun at home or um, have better friendships or you know they get to stay up later or whatever there is on their mind. Get to uh, stay up later because they get to study scriptures? Is yeah, that what you mean? I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever they care about, make the scripture specific to them. And then the third one is just keep it simple. And that's what you talked about before, that you don't need yeah. a whole lot of bells and whistles to have powerful scripture study with your there kids. There are some great resources, certainly, but remember that let's not get overwhelmed by that and then not do it because we're too overwhelmed. And I have to point out that Zach, I forget, I always forget what these are called. If you have the same letter at the beginning of each word. Alliteration. Alliteration. Scriptures, specific and simple. There it is. Read the scriptures, be specific, make it simple. Zach was proud of that. I'm always proud of alliteration. Yes. Um. All S's. All right. So hopefully that helps some of you. um, And... We would love to hear your ideas, of course, too, of what you like to do. So, In addition to keep sending us your questions, we love them and love responding to them. And uh, it gives us a lot of focus in our episodes. So thank you very much. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians uh, is, as we mentioned, it's actually Paul's fourth letter to the Corinthians, at least his fourth letter to the Corinthians. Um, and there's a lot of contextual information at the beginning that kind of gives you a picture of what's been happening in Corinth since Paul wrote his last epistle, which is in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So if you remember, he wrote an epistle to the Corinthians, which we don't have. Then he wrote what is now called 1 Corinthians, even though it was a second epistle. Then there's another epistle in between that one and this one. And then we have 2 Corinthians, which is really 4 Corinthians. In between the last letter that he wrote and this one, um, there have been people in Corinth that are claiming that because Paul has been um, so persecuted and his ministry has been fraught with so much tribulation and trial, he's not really an apostle. He doesn't really have the Spirit of God with him. And so the 
point that Paul's trying to make at the beginning of this is, no, I am an apostle. And so he does it by starting with listing in chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, just some of the things he's been through. And here's just the key words. Uh, Verse 4, tribulation. Verse 5, suffering. Verse 6, afflicted. Um, Verse 8, trouble. Um, Verse, oh, verse 8 as well, despaired. Verse 9, sentenced to death. All of these things that have happened to Paul. As I was reading this week, I thought, um, I, I do this kind of a dumb thing with with uh, my students sometimes where I'll do an arm workout for them. Uh, if you want to try this, this is really hard, surprisingly. Stick your arms out to the side, bring your fingers into your thumb, and for one minute straight, just flick your fingers like you're flicking water off of your fingers. You can probably do it for 15 seconds, but by the time you get to 30 seconds, your arms will start to burn. Kudos to you. If, if about one flick per second or two flicks per second, if you, it's not hurting enough, then flick faster. By the time you hear, we're both doing it while we're recording. <laughs> I've never um, heard this before. I'm like, I If you're listening try. to it, you're driving, don't do it. But if you're not driving, then try it out. Um, it's hard to get to a minute. And uh, inevitably, when people do it, they will call out, This is so hard. And I love that phrase because I think that's the phrase that Paul is addressing here at the beginning of Corinthians. He's using himself as an example. Here's everything that I've been through. And then what he wants to explain to the Corinthians is, A, just because I'm going through these trials and tribulations doesn't mean that I'm not an apostle. In fact, uh, the presence of trouble does not mean an absence of God it might actually mean an increased presence of God. Meaning, if my life is difficult, it doesn't mean that God is less with me. It might actually mean that God is with me more. So that's the first point Paul wants to make. Um, But the second point he wants to make is a really interesting one. Uh, Verse 3, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And then verse 12, Um, After he lists all of the trials and troubles he's been through, he says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. In other words, his response to tribulation is, in verse 3, blessing God, and in verse 12, rejoicing. Um, If you remember... Uh, a couple of years ago, I think this is 2016, if I remember, um, President Nelson told this story in General Conference. Life is filled with detours and dead ends, trials and challenges of every kind. Each of us has likely had times when distress, anguish, and despair almost consumed us. Yet, we are here to have joy. Yes. The answer is a resounding yes. But how is that possible? And what must we do to claim the joy that Heavenly Father has in store for us? Eliza R. Snow, second general president of the Relief Society, offered a riveting answer. Because of Missouri's infamous extermination order, issued at the onset of the grueling winter of 1838. She and other saints were forced to flee the state 
that very winter. One evening, Eliza's family spent the night in a small log cabin used by refugee saints. Much of the chinking between the logs had been extracted and burned for firewood by those who preceded them, so there were holes between the logs large enough for a cat to crawl through. It was bitter cold. Their food was frozen solid. That night, some 80 people huddled inside that small cabin only 20 feet square. Most sat or stood all night trying to keep warm. Outside, a group of men spent the night gathered around a roaring fire, with some singing songs and others roasting frozen potatoes. Eliza recorded, Not a complaint was heard. All were cheerful, and judging from the appearances, strangers would have taken us to be pleasure excursionists rather than a band of gubernatorial exiles. Eliza's report of that exhausting, bone-chilling evening was strikingly optimistic. She declared, quote, That was a very merry night. None but saints can be happy under every circumstance. Close quote. That's it. Saints can be happy under every circumstance. We can feel joy even while having a bad day, a bad week, or even a bad year. My dear brothers and sisters, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. So, here's the question. How can Paul, how can President Nelson, and inevitably, hopefully, how can you be happy about the fact that life is hard and that things are difficult? What is it that you can learn from 2 Corinthians that provides comfort, provides perspective, and brings joy in trials and difficulties instead of sorrows and sadnesses? Because what I love about this 2 Corinthians study so far is that we also get a little bit of a glimpse into what Paul has been through. Mm -hmm. You know, he's using a lot of these personal experiences and also likening them to what these people are going through. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to read a little bit from the beginning in chapter one as well. This is starting in verse four. It says, he comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I think he's speaking of that from personal experience. Like I have, I have felt God's comfort in my affliction and here I, I want to show that to you now and help Mm. you. Because I've been comforted, I'm able to comfort you. Mm -hmm. And then he continues, verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And that's just powerful, too. That's a cool verse. Um, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that you, as that as you share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. So we're kind of given this opportunity to feel of the strength when we need the comfort. And I really couldn't help but be taught this week 
in that scripture. Maybe that's why this stuck out to me so so strongly is that um, we we have a son who is just starting first grade, so he gets to you know go into that full day of school and surprisingly he is really struggling being away from home he's really homesick and oh my goodness cute little guy it Mm -hmm. just breaks my heart but I couldn't help but feel in my heart as I was talking to him that this is just a life full of practices and this is his one one little drop into his um this affliction that will just grow as he gets older. I mean, I, ju- I just kept thinking, this is such good practice for him. And isn't that what life is full of? We get these little practices, and I think if we are able to practice with God, that we are more able to fill his comfort and then share it with others. And I could honestly tell Rowan and say, I've felt like this, buddy. I know what this feels like, and I know that God is going to help you. I know that you can pray. Um, and I know that he's going to help you. And hopefully that's going to build for him when, I don't know, I of course skip ahead to when he moves away to college, he's going to miss me so much. Or when he goes on a mission or whatever it is that he's just going to miss me. So if he doesn't practice now, um, he won't have that tough enough shell to get through it or know who he can rely on um, when those hard things come. Makes me think I... I had a really hard year teaching a couple of years ago and my uh, principal came to me and I was in his office regularly talking about my struggles and I was having a hard time and and uh, in one of those kind of vent sessions he just looked at me and he says do you know why this is so hard for you because somewhere later on in your career you're gonna need to help someone else who's having a difficult time teaching and how will you ever be able to help them if you've never been through what they're going through um, so I don't know if this makes us happy that we have trials and difficulties, but it does give perspective. I'm going through this so that I can help someone else that's going through it as well. I think another beautiful part of hard things that we go through is that connection that we we can gain with other people when we share a little bit of our heart and our struggles. And it just opens up to this it can become a beautiful thing that we're connecting with other people over things that we we have shared and that we've been through. Yeah. Um, a couple of verses that stood out to me that provide perspective, and maybe maybe this one does provide, I don't know if it's joy or at least um, contentment that life is sometimes hard. Paul says at the end of chapter 3, and then close to the end of chapter 4, and then again, close to the end of chapter 5, the same thing in three different ways. Chapter 3, verse 18, he says this, and I'm going to read the uh, ESV translation because I I like the word that they use better. Uh, Verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Um, I love the word transform. Now listen to chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And now chapter 5, verse 17. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love the idea that um, it's the, the crucible of faith. If I intend to follow the Savior, uh, part of that path leads through Gethsemane. Part of that path leads across the hilltops of Golgotha. And of course, I don't have to suffer it to the degree that he did. But if I ever hope to become like him in any degree, small or big, if I ever hope to live with my Father in heaven and be in that kingdom and be fit for that kingdom, it makes sense that I'm going to have to go through some things that chip away the rough edges, that refine me, that purify me, that transform me into the image of Christ, or that make me a new creature. And that transformation process, that uh, molding into a new creature is hard. And sometimes it comes because life is hard. And so if I'm not willing to go through that, I can't change. Conversely, if I accept difficulties, if I accept trials, and if I look at them with this eye of faith and know that this is just God molding me, uh, it makes things a whole lot better. Um, I have always loved, and I think I've shared this in a previous episode, this uh, analogy by C.S. Lewis. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. I love that idea. And for me, it gives me a lot of comfort and joy in difficult times. You know, that actually leads right into um, these next scriptures that really hit me. In And this so these come from chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we have taken it off. Um... I guess what really stuck out to me was that groaning, mm. that word. What is it in King James? This is, I was reading from a Christian standard. Groan. For okay. in this we groan earnestly. I mm. love that groaning word. I love that because I think, isn't that how we feel when we're, and I'm, I'm picturing this as I think could work two ways. We're groaning because we're, we're hurting. Mm. We're groaning because we're going through something really hard and it hurts. Um, I'm also thinking of, um, the other thing that came to my mind, because I read this, um, um, something from a friend of mine, Katie Hughes, who, um, she has, she works for Multiply Goodness and was one of the, the founders of Multiply Goodness and just someone who I really look up to, but she, um, quoted something on her Instagram page, which, which we will link to, um, and share on Instagram as well, on our Instagram as well. But she said, a friend shared with me years ago, this thought but because I find myself stretching in new ways, I am recognizing how it's taking root in new areas of my life lately. The thought is simply, 
I have the infinite capacity to expand. And then she goes on to say, what does this even mean and how can it apply to you? It means that within us all is an immense capacity to fulfill our God-given calls. But we live small, live below our potential, limited by our ability to manage the pressures of life and our own personal levels of stress. To see our dreams fulfilled, we must allow our capacity to increase. Because we are sons and daughters of God, we have the divine potential to become like Him and thus expand in ways and increase our ability to do, to do things by Him and through Him. I believe the minute we decide to allow God to work in our lives, He helps us stretch beyond our comfort zones and enlarge our capacity to do both what we want and what we need to do in this life. Um, I think a lot of our trials come because sometimes we just feel so human. Um, and that, that brings it back to that groaning feeling of you want to expand the, some of these words that she uses. You want to reach your potential, um, but you're limited. And we groan inside. And I think this really applies back to some of these episodes that we've read about, you know, our bodies and who we are and um, and what Paul teaches us about how God sees us. Um, but I think if we can remember who made us and if we let God into our hard things, um, let God into our groanings, that he will show us ways that we can can push past those and expand in new ways um, and find whatever that is, beauty in the hardships or can maybe just sometimes just help us through something hard or maybe we're just feeling overburdened or stressed and he'll help us grow in new ways. And I think for me, the thought I have the infinite capacity to expand really fit in with these verses so well because we are heavenly children. Um, we have a God, we have a heavenly father who wants to lead and guide us and he will when we let him. And we do have that infinite capacity to expand if we will let him and remember that we are, we are heavenly beings. As I was reading this week, you mentioned we get to know Paul a little bit and I kind of feel like I got to feel Paul a little bit. Uh, this is chapter four, verse seven. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Uh, later on in chapter 7, he says, um, I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Um, I don't know. You know. Well, I guess we do. We, we've gotten to know so many of you. And uh, and we, we really love you. I mean, we're just, we're so overwhelmed with uh, the feeling of camaraderie and community that we've been able to be a part of around the scriptures as we've gotten to know some of you and as we think of people in our own lives and as you think of people in your lives uh, it you don't have to go very far to see that the world is filled with trials and troubles and tribulations some of those we bring on ourselves and some of those are just brought because we live in a human world but despite all of that 
Saints can be happy in every circumstance. We can be overflowing with joy if we just remember some of these simple teachings and perspectives that Paul gives. Um, and so I don't know if this is meant for one of you out there, if this is meant for everyone, or if it's just meant for me, but, um, but we've really felt that this week that God is in these difficult times in our life, perhaps closest to us, closer to us than he's ever been before and that he can help us become something that maybe we've never been before. And we hope you feel that too as you study these verses, and hopefully you find something that speaks to you in these same ways um, and that helps you um, expand and grow and walk through the hard things in your life um, in a meaningful way. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to remind you to follow along with us on Instagram. That's probably the best way to get in touch with us um, or send your questions or however you want to do that. But you can find us there at the Scripture Study Project. So thank you so much. We hope you have a great week.